All right, good morning, Christ Church. I'm Pastor Bob, lead pastor here at Christ Church. Uh, glad that you're with us this morning. Upper room, folks, glad you're up there. know you're having, having awesome worship up there as well. Uh, and welcome also all our folks uh, online. We get a lot of folks each week who watch with us online uh, for a variety of reasons. So uh, glad we're all together this morning. And uh, today we start uh, a new series, Seven Questions uh, God Can't Answer. And uh, the focus of the series uh, is going to be, uh, on a practical level, going into, obviously, Scripture and um, looking at seven questions uh, that are posed uh, by Jesus uh, toward his, his followers. And uh, as you can see by the mirrors over here, uh, these, these are going to be uh, reflective questions. Uh, this is not going to be an easy answer kind of kind of series. The focus of the series is really about um, asking these questions for ourselves and uh, trying to discover in a reflective way uh, really the answer that God would, would uh, lead us to. And so this morning, the first question starts out uh, pretty, pretty profound, pretty serious in terms of its question. Uh, it's from the Gospel of John, and uh, the Gospel of John is one of those uh, uh, books in the New Testament uh, where John the writer uh, tries to uh, tell us the, uh, the words and the deeds uh, of Jesus. And uh, there, there are other gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Um, but what's interesting about John is that uh, when you get into the book of John right away, you notice that he's different, for instance, from Matthew and from Luke. Uh, the gospels, Matthew and Luke, that do the same thing, tell us the words and deeds of Jesus, uh, they start with, uh, with a Christmas story. Right? And so the Christmas story, you know the Christmas story, right? You've been to Christmas before. And so the Christmas story has wise men, angels, who else? Shepherds, right? Yeah, okay, so you know the story, right? That's kind of the Christmas story. What's interesting about the Gospel of John is that's not his Christmas story. Now, he tells the Christmas story. He just tells it in a completely different way format. Yeah, there's no wise men, there's no angels, there's no traveling from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. He just doesn't have any of that stuff that we traditionally think about in terms of the experience of Jesus coming into the world. He takes a far more direct route and just talks about the reality of Jesus coming into the world. He just ultimately, toward, towards the end of that first chapter, middle end of the first chapter, he just makes a Christmas declarative statement. Uh, and this really is his Christmas story. He says, so the Word became human and made his home among us. That would be Christmas, right? Jesus becoming one of us, the incarnation. That's what it is. And so John just makes this declarative statement and says, so the Word became human, made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory. Notice that. We have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Now, if you think about it, what would be the normal next question or the next occurrence to take place after He makes that declarative statement? Well, He makes a declarative statement that... that uh, the Word became flesh, lived among us full of grace and truth. So the next question would be, who's that? Right? If you don't know, I mean, who is that? And that's kind of what happens in the Gospel of John, that the very next thing that happens is a bunch of questions because 
there's this guy that emerges on the scene named John the Baptist. And John was kind of an unusual guy. He was out by the River Jordan, and he was calling people to repentance, and he was baptizing people in the River Jordan in a baptism of repentance. He was calling them out and saying, listen, you're just not living your life the way God wants you to live. You need to get right with God. You need to come out. You need to confess your sin. You need to get clean. You just need to get your life back in that place where God wants you to be. And he kept just calling people out. And he got followers who were following people that were searching for something more in their lives. They felt an urge and emptiness. and, And so they were searching for something more in their life. John's out in the wilderness doing this repentance, this call to repentance, these baptisms. And, of course, some people show up, and they show up with questions. And the big question is right here, well, then, who are you, John? Who are you? I mean, just made that declarative statement. They're wondering, well, is this the guy? Who are you? We need to know for those who sent us. Well, what do you say about yourself, John? John replies, listen, I'm a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way, for the Lord's coming. So he says, I'm not the one, but there's somebody who's coming after me. I'm not the one, but there's the one. You're going to see him when he comes. The one is coming, and I'm just kind of setting the stage for the one that's coming. And finally, Jesus does that. Jesus emerges. He just walks into the situation as John is preaching and calling people to repentance. Some of John's followers are there. They're searching for something more. They begin to investigate Jesus. They actually begin to follow right behind him. And so as they're following right behind him, Jesus looks around, he sees them, and he asks the question. It is our question of the day. He asks the questions, the question, what do you want? What do you want? Big question. Now, what's so fascinating, two things fascinating about this question. One, in the Gospel of John, these are Jesus' first words. The first thing out of his mouth is this question. The first thing that he utters. Now, we know last words are important. Do we all agree first words are equally important? You bet. You see, he is challenging right away in the Gospel of John. He is asking a profound, significant question. What do you want? Now, what's also interesting is if you get back in the original language of this, the Koine Greek of this, uh, you get back to the original language, and the question is asked in the historical present tense. You're going to be Greek scholars when we're done today. It's in the historical present tense. Why is that important? That's important because what the gospel writer is doing, what John is doing, by asking the question in that tense, is he's making it an everyday question. This isn't just a question that Jesus asked back then. This isn't just a question that Jesus asked of a couple guys who are walking behind him when he turns around. Because it's in the historical present tense, the gospel writer is saying to you, this is your question. Today, what do you want? What do you want? The decisions we make and the actions we take tell us how we answer this question. 
Now, the struggle for us as we walk through this broken world is there are multiple paths to the answer to this question. The illustration I would use with you this morning, which you probably all noticed when you walked in because you all like sugar, is the donut, right? I got a plate of them here. And uh, the best part of that for me is that as I use this illustration, guess who gets to take a bite? And, and that's what we like, right? We like to take a bite. We especially like to take a bite of all that great icing on the top. See, when it comes to the donut, the simple principle is uh, you got the donut and it's got all that great icing. I mean, you can have a chocolate donut, you can have a white donut, there's a multiple kinds of donuts that you can take, multiple kinds of options. This is the way it is in the world. There's ultimate kinds of choices that we can make, ultimate kind of, of actions that we can take. It's all over the place in what the world would have us do. And the reality is that some of those choices and actions taste and seem really sweet. But ultimately... If you concentrate only on the icing on the outside, what's left in the middle? Just a hole. Just an emptiness. See, we can take all our time in the world. Mm. It's really good. But I think they call that empty calories. I mean, I know it doesn't end up empty, but you know what I mean? It's not really fulfilling, is it? Because there is an emptiness. And that's the principle that this question brings to us. What do you want? Are you going to spend your life just simply settling for the icing? that tastes good for the moment but ends up with a big burden? Are are you going to spend your life and answer the question and just say, you know, I'm just going for the icing. I'm just going for the sweet stuff. I'm going for what the world says. I'm just going to answer that question in a worldly manner. Or are you going to recognize you were made, you were breathed into so that you could have a significant impactful life living in relationship with God. You see, without that, without understanding that, all you're left with is a bunch of icing and a hole. Now, the Apostle Paul kind of raises that distinction for us when he just kind of states a simple truth in Romans. He says, look, every one of us have sinned, right? It's easy for us to go for the icing, it's what we're kind of bent towards, right? In our brokenness, it's, it's the easy choices to make. The contrast, however, is we were made for something else. Even though we all fall short, even though we've all sinned, we've all fall short, we were made for some glorious standards. That's what we constructed for. That's what God breathed life into us for. That's what he gave us the gift of life for, so that our lives would be elevated up, that we would live according to some glorious, incredible, impactful standards that change the scope and the face of the earth and other people's hearts and lives. What do you want? What do you want? The icing or something that fills the hole? 
Now, what's great about the experience, as Jesus asked this question, is that before Jesus even asked the question, God gave John's followers the answer. It's like God is, is teaching to the test, right? You've had that before in school where, you know, God is just teaching to the test. And so God has already given the answer in the Gospel of John to the very question that Jesus asks. It's as he emerges, as he walks on the scene, it actually happens two times before Jesus even asks the question. It happens two times. Jesus emerges on the scene. He walks, and it says, while Jesus was walking by, John looked at him and declared, look, pay attention. Don't miss this one. Notice this now. Look, there is the Lamb of God. He does that two times. And both times, what tense do you suppose he uses? Historical, present tense. It's like John is saying to each one of us this morning in this room, listen, 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 pay attention, look. Don't miss the truth this morning. Look. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the one that fills the hole in your life. Look, pay attention. Wake up. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever the struggle you have, whatever the challenge you have, whatever it is that's going on in your life, whatever hole, whatever is empty, Jesus is the only one who can fill the hole. What do you want? It all goes back to an experience in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, there is a father named Abraham. He has a son named Isaac. Abraham and his wife Sarah have waited for years and years and years and years for their son to be born, right? It's like a miracle that this kid is born. And yet God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, uh, you need to show that you're faithful to me, that you understand our relationship, and so I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac. Abraham says, okay. So he gets Isaac, and he gets all the stuff he's going to need for a sacrifice, and he begins to go up the mountain in order to accomplish the sacrifice and prove his faithfulness. And what's fascinating is it's Isaac who begins the conversation and kind of points up the problem. Uh, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, uh, yes, my son, well, the fire and the wood are all here, said Isaac, but where is the lamb for the burnt offerings? Abraham answered, God himself will do what? God himself will provide the lamb. You see, Jesus has already given us the answer to the question. Jesus is the only one that can fill the hole. God has already anticipated. God has already understood our weakness. God has already anticipated God has already understood our loneliness. God has already anticipated. He has already understood all the brokenness where we go for the icing. God has already anticipated. He has already understood all the emptiness that that can come into our lives. And he just says, look, pay attention, look. Here's the lamb. It's captured in 1 Peter. Love this. 1 Peter 18 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from what? To save you from, isn't that awesome? The empty life 
to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which loses its value. It was paid by the, by the precious blood of Christ, the sinless and spotless Lamb of God. What do you want? What do you want? God has already given you the answer. He's already pointed you to the Lamb. Paul goes through a more in-depth kind of analysis for us of trying to understand this principle. He says, look, the law of Moses was unable to save us. The icing can't do it, right? The law of Moses went out to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do, right? God fills an emptiness that we cannot fill in ourselves by all the other stuff of the world. He sent his own son into a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead, what do we do? We follow the Spirit. We have the whole of emptiness filled just the way God designed it. Every single day, we get the question, what do you want? And every single day, God gives us the same answer. Look, look, just look toward Jesus. Now, some of us may be skeptical about that. Some of us may be challenged with that answer and say, really, that's it? Yeah, that, 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 that's really it. If, if you're in that place, if you're wondering, Jesus is already prepared for that. He's anticipated that. When those disciples, John's followers are there, they're following Jesus. He turns around and says, you know, what do you, what do you want? Right? And they, they come up with another question we'll talk about it in a minute. But notice, notice Jesus' answer to them. Doesn't really deal much with their question, just says, look, come and you'll see. Just come and see. Just give me a chance. Just, just put me to the test. You see, this is how God works. He's already given us the answer to the test, and now he says, look, just, just give it a try. Just step into the opportunity. If you've got an emptiness in your marriage, give Jesus a try in your marriage. If you've got an emptiness in your relationship with your kids, just, just get, give Jesus a try in that relationship with your kids. If you've got an emptiness in your career, just get your career wrapped around Jesus for a while. Just give him a trial. Whatever that emptiness is that you've got going on in your life, Jesus just says, look, just give me a chance. Just give me a try. Just just let me give, give me an opportunity to impact what emptiness you're experiencing in your life. This should not surprise us. It goes back to the Old Testament. Back in the Psalms, the psalmist, out of his own cry, out of his own emptiness, said what? Taste and see that the Lord is good stuff. Better than all the icing. Sweeter than all the icing you could ever try to fill your life with. Or you get Peter again in the New Testament. Like newborn babes, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you'll grow into a full experience of salvation. I love this. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Whatever the emptiness, give him a chance. Let him step into the emptiness. That's what he came to do. Without him, 
we're left with the emptiness, the hole in the donut. And then what is our life? I don't know about you, but I want my life to be a whole lot more powerful and impactful than just a waste of time. And without God, it can be fun, it can be a lot of icing, but it's ultimately a waste of time. Now, I'm a little older than some of you in the room, and I can tell you, I don't have as much time to waste. And I'm not about to waste it. I want to make sure that I answer the question in historical present tense every day and say, look, this day is going to be about Jesus. Look, I'm not going to waste my time. This day is going to be about Jesus. Every single day we get the question, what do you want? What do you want? And every single day God gives us the answer, look, there's the lamb. And every single day we can put him to the test and he will be up to the test. And all we have to do every single day is just be wherever Jesus is. That's all we got to focus on every single day. Just be wherever Jesus is. When those followers came and he turned and he said, listen, what do you want? They stumbled, they bumbled a little bit, they came back and they answered his question with a question. Kind of ironic. They answered his question with a question. They said, well, where are you staying? Jesus says, come and see. So they went and they saw where he was staying. What do we have to do? We just have to go where he is. You see, this is an important thing for us. The great confusion that rests out there in a lot of Christianity is the confusion that somehow Jesus has to come to where we are and and he has to mold into our image and he has to do what we want and he has to accomplish what we think is best and that's not the way it works. We have to move to where he is. We have to let him lead the dance. And we just follow. What do you want? What do you want? I want to just be where Jesus is. Wherever he's working, whatever he's doing, wherever he's leading, I just want to be where he is because he knows what's best for me. The psalmist says that God created us, formed us, and fashioned us even when we were in the womb. He did all the work. He knows us intimately. He knows what is absolutely best for us. And all I do is trust that. I just trust that and let him take the lead. What do you want? Jesus, later on in the Gospel of Matthew, said, God blesses those who are poor and do what? And realize their need for him. That's what we do. We recognize the emptiness. We understand the temptation of the icing. And we just every single day look to the lamb and just let Jesus lead wherever he wants to lead. Now, there's one more thing in the experience. One more thing that's really important in the experience. The question is asked. The disciples respond. They go where Jesus is. You'd think that would be it. There's one more great observation. 
Know that the whole experience unfolds for those two disciples who follow because John pointed them to Jesus. John didn't keep them for himself. John didn't harbor those disciples and say, well, no, those are my disciples. When Jesus came on the scene, he willingly pointed them to Jesus. That's what we do. He fills the emptiness. We just keep looking to the Lamb. We let him lead and take us wherever he wants. And in the process, we're always looking to point somebody else to the same place. We're always looking for the opportunity to point somebody else to the same Jesus. So the questions of the day. Pretty easy one. Pretty hard one. Historical present tense. What do you want? What do you want your life to be about? With whatever time you got left, what do you, what do you want? And there's a companion question. Who do you need to point to Jesus? Let's pray. Father, thanks uh, for loving us so much that you are willing to ask the hardest of questions, one that just uh, cuts to our hearts and uh, reveals that emptiness without you. So we ask today, uh, help us, Lord. Help us every single day. When you ask that question, to respond the same, to just look to Jesus. Just look to Jesus and go where he is. And just go ahead and trust him. We know he's up to the test. You've given us the invitation. So, Lord, lead us this morning as we come to the table now to taste and see that his forgiveness is good, to taste and see and know that his love for us is immeasurable, to taste and see, to experience the fullness as he fills the emptiness in our lives. Lord, we look to him. We pray it in Jesus' precious name.